Welcome in. It is a Game Week Tuesday. Mike Steely, Connor Pasby with you for the first segment. We've got uh, Parker en route from Brent's press conference coming back to the studios right now. Uh, the Sooner head coach, first-year head coach, just wrapped up uh, his presser. And uh, Oklahoma takes on UTEP Saturday. Can't wait, can't wait, can't wait. Pre-game show at 8.30 right here on the ref on uh, game day. Campus Corner is going to be rocking. If you saw what the crowd was like, uh, for the coaches' show last night at Rudy's, it was jam-packed. Brent, I thought, was great. And, uh, you know, obviously uh, T. Rowe and Teddy were great. Plank was great. Everybody uh, did a great job. And we're ready for some football. 2.30 this Saturday on Fox, Oklahoma, and UTEP. Miners already played a game. They lost to North Texas 31-13 down in the West Texas town of El Paso last week. And they are a big underdog at Oklahoma, of course, on Saturday. Connor, are you ready? Are you ready to go for real, finally? I'm ready. We made it, Mike. Now we just got to – feel like it's going to be the longest week, game week, it feels like. I it, mean, always, it takes forever for Friday to get here leading up to Saturday. It does. It, we are here, though. It feels like we have broken down every single position except for the water boy depth charts. We have, yes. And uh, clearly Bobby Boucher is, is the uh, starter there and uh, may wind up as a rush in before it's all said and done. But – uh, hopefully the Sooners are getting some high-quality H2O. I'm sure they are. But uh, Brent Venables, this will be his first game as the Sooners' head coach. First game officially. I thought he was great, you know, leading the festivities uh, at the spring game, firing up the crowd and everything. But this is going to be for real on Saturday. Does Brent have any idea of what game day is going to be like this Saturday as the head coach? You don't really know, but again, you just—it's football, and you're in a leadership position. I feel like I've been that uh, uh, a little bit different role in some ways, and, and some the same, exact same. And but you got to be aware of everything going on in regards to management, and uh, uh, so as opposed to being on that whiteboard until somebody tells you that you—it's time for the defense to go back out. You know, that, that's going to be different. But I, there's going to be times when I need to be on a whiteboard just because that's what I want to do. And, uh, but i gotta, I got to manage the whole team, too, and, and the game itself. And, again, I'm relying on other people to help in that management, but ultimately it's my responsibility. And uh, so that's, I'm, I'm incredibly excited about it. Um, we've uh, gone through our mock uh, games, and, but nothing is going to be like the actual game day itself. Well, guess what? I think Brent Venables will do just fine. I like this coaching staff a lot. I think they put together a really good staff, and I think the Sooners are going to have a very successful opener coming up Saturday against UTEP. Speaking of the Miners, again, they lost their opening game uh, last Saturday night. They lost to North Texas. It was 14-13 at halftime. And again, uh, UTEP had an early lead in that game. But the Mean Green came back, won the game again 31-13 on the Miners' home field. Here is UTEP coach Dana Dimmel, who, by the way, uh, was at K-State when Brent Venables, you know, Brent was a linebacker there. He was on staff at Kansas State, so he knows Brent Venables very well. Uh, very well. Here's what Dana Dimmel said uh, earlier this morning about the matchup Saturday in Norman against Oklahoma. Segwaying into the next game, it's not like we got a bounce-back game, right? You got a game against the top 10 football, preseason top 10 football team. You know, they got a lot of uh, talented players. Um, they're 
you know, obviously their quarterback, I've followed his career from when he was at Central Florida. I think he's one of the best players in college football. That's their, you know, that's their number one weapon. He's been with their coordinator before at, at, at Central Florida. And so they have a history together and, and um, they're just um, got talented wide receivers, got a big physical offensive line, got a running back that's had really uh, good production on defense. They have some front guys that have quite a bit of experience. Their secondary is probably secondary linebacker is their most experienced unit there. A lot of lot of uh, guys have played quite a bit in the secondary coming back, and uh, so again, it'll be a difficult test for us, but it'll be a fun test and and one that, uh, as you know, you never know when your team's going to rise up to the challenge after not playing as well as we know we can play week one. Maybe we put our best game out there on the field in week two. All right, uh, in 2000, the Sooners had a left-handed quarterback by the name of Josh Heupel. They opened the season with Texas El Paso on a very hot, hot uh, afternoon into evening down in Norman. They end up winning a national championship. Now, do, do I think this team's going to win the national championship? No, but I, I think they're going to be pretty good, pretty, pretty good. I, I have a good feeling this is going to be a really good era of Oklahoma football. And if Brent Venables, again, who I think is a very committed guy to this cause right now, you could tell when, you know, you saw the video on the plane when he was coming in on that Sunday night with that big smile on his face and the boomer and everything. And he's been nothing but a ball of energy ever since he uh, landed at Max Westheimer Airport on that Sunday night. So I think this is going to be an exciting era of Oklahoma football. I really do. I, I'm excited to see the physicality. I'm exceeded, excited to see what I think is going to be better defense. I think it's going to be better tackling, a tougher, more physical, hard-nosed football team. Uh, that also, again, is trained by Jerry Schmidt and not Benny, Ro- Benny Wiley. I think that's going to make a difference as well. So I think Sooner fans should be fired up uh, for this season. Now, again, we, we don't know. Can Oklahoma go out and lose three games? Possibly. I mean, the Big 12 is uh, up for grabs as much as it's ever been. You know, uh, you could pencil in Oklahoma as the preseason favorite every single year, it seemed like. Forever, Baylor's got a shot. Oklahoma State's got a shot. Some people think that uh, Kansas State has a shot. I, I think they're going to be very good. I think they'll be well coached. And if Adrian Martinez plays well, it's going to be a very interesting year for K State. Some people even look at like TCU. I mean, Chris the Bear Felica said right over the weekend that he was going with TCU, particularly with the odds to win the league. So it looks like they're going with Max Duggan in their opener against Colorado. We'll see if Chandler Morris plays. But it's going to be a fascinating year in the Big 12. But I I like this coaching staff. I think if this team stays healthy, particularly at quarterback, I think they're going to win the league. And a lot of that is the way the schedule sets up for Oklahoma. Baylor, Kansas State, Oklahoma State, all at home. That sits up perfectly for Brent Venables in the first year. Yeah, and and that's the reason where I was able to differentiate, uh, you know, between the contenders is Oklahoma's schedule is more favorable than the others. So, anyway, can't wait for Saturday. It's going to be a lot of fun. We'll have our pregame show on the air beginning at 8.30. I was thinking about Sooner season openers. You know, a lot of times you're going to get a Utah State or, you know, somebody that's an also-ran. That's You're out there. It's your first game. You're going to, you know, win the game by four or five touchdowns. Very rarely do you get an opener where you're really challenged. And, again, Oklahoma shouldn't be that challenged against UTEP this weekend. They should win this game pretty convincingly. But I can remember in 1982 – 
West Virginia came to Norman. Jeff Hosteller was the uh, quarterback for the Mountaineers that day. They had a, gr- a really good linebacker in Daryl Talley, who played many years with the Buffalo Bills. That was a good football team, and they beat Oklahoma 41-27 to in Norman that day. Uh, and Hosteller, of course, would go on to win a Super Bowl with the New York Giants. I can also remember, we've talked about this in the past, Oklahoma in 1985, Troy Aikman at quarterback, went to the Metrodome in Minneapolis and beat a Lou Holtz-coached Minnesota Golden Gophers team. But they didn't open the season until September 28th. They had a game that was originally scheduled for uh, SMU to play earlier in the season. TV moved that game until late December. It was after the big eight season back then was already over. And uh, Bobby Collins and Reggie DuPard and SMU came to Norman. The Sooners won that game in December. So because they moved that game, they didn't open up again until September 28th. Can you imagine? That's crazy. Trying to do shows (laughs) and you've still got 28 days to the beginning of football, you know, like in 1985. Oklahoma won that. That game 13 to 7, by the way. And then in 1994, Gary Gibbs, last year at Oklahoma, they went to Syracuse on an afternoon and they beat a Syracuse team in the Carrier Dome. And they won that game on a Scott Blanton field goal with uh, about 10 seconds left, about a 50-yard field goal. Gary Gibbs last year, they won that game at uh, at the buzzer, basically 30 to 29. Three of the openers that stand out for me. Then um, the, the two most recent ones that obviously didn't go OE's favor, Houston – and BYU that still gives back was bad Houston, memories. Was Houston an opener? It was an opener, right? It was. Yep. Yeah, and that was Tom Herman winning, and in the game at Jerry World with BYU, Sam Bradford gets his shoulder separated. Landry Jones comes in. That was a rough night. Which the start of that OU Houston game was perfect for OU, but then Houston came yeah crawling back late. Yeah, they did. Yeah, they did. So uh, some good, some bad. Expected to be a very a good opening Saturday, though, for the Sooners coming up this weekend. Again, our pregame show begins at 8.30 Saturday morning. All right, opening hour sponsor, Tim Lasher, his great company, great former Sooner, great company. Lasher Home Comfort Systems, family-owned and operated, servicing the greater Oklahoma City area since 2007. You can call them up at 405-579-3113. That's 405 579 3113. Also today, I want to tell you about my dentist because I've got the best dentist in America. I truly believe that. When I lived in uh, northwest Oklahoma City, I went to see my dentist, Dr. Tim Brooks, because he knows sports. He'll talk sports. He's a great guy, does a great job. Uh, And then when I moved back to Norman, uh, you know, I still travel all the way up to North Bay Avenue in Edmond to go see Dr. Tim Brooks because uh, I love going there, man. It's as comfortable as you can be at the dental office, and he's going to talk sports with you in between. I may be saying, you know, that kind of thing. But I always love going there. His staff is super friendly. They're great. I had an aching tooth right before I was going, like two days before Shay and I were going to the Bahamas. So I called up Dr. Brooks on his line after hours. He got me taken care of, fixed the tooth before I went to the Bahamas. Instead of having a nightmare vacation, we had a dream vacation. Uh, but I want to tell you, if you're looking for a new dentist, uh, and Shay even asked me, you're, you're still driving all the way up to Edmond? I'm like, yeah, I'm not changing from Dr. Brooks. That's not happening. Dr. Tim Brooks will do a great job for you. 405-369-5212. That's 405-569-5212. All right, Parker Thune in the house. Connor, thanks for coming in in short relief, throwing heat again. We appreciate it. And ladies and gentlemen, we're just getting warmed up on a Tuesday of game week. 
Mike Steely, Parker Thune will join me on the other side here in the home of Sooner fans, the ref. And I guess we'll have the uh, Sooners on parade on uh, Saturday as Oklahoma and UTEP go at 2.30 on Fox. And, of course, our pregame show begins at 8.30 a.m. Saturday morning right here on the home of Sooner fans, the Ref Radio Network. How's everybody? Parker Thune has joined us fresh off an appearance over at the Brent Venables uh, press conference. How is the presser today on a scale of 1 to 10? I would say on a scale from 1 to 10, Steely, it depends on how you grade BV. If you grade him in terms of exuberant energy, probably not a 10 today. He was little, much like the last press conference he did, or I think it was his first press conference of the year where we all were remarking on uh, how low-key he was throughout the whole ordeal. It's the same kind of thing today. BV didn't, you know, he wasn't bouncing off the walls by any means. He just seemed very calm. Very stable, uh, very in touch with himself. And so it was a half an hour of some really thoughtful answers from BV, but it was delivered in a very nonchalant, very eased up type of fashion. How would you rate the questions today? Because it appeared to me that Tyler McComas uh, editing back at the studio, the entire press conference, uh, was, was not pleased. I wouldn't not say pleased was, with the questions. I wouldn't see, say he was angry, but I would call him slightly disappointed. I don't think there were any stupid questions today. So that's good. Anytime you make it through a press conference without a stupid question, that's a win. There were I, I, I know for a fact that there were a couple folks who were digging for answers to more specific questions than the ones they were asking. They were hoping that BV would just kind of stumble upon uh the topic that they were looking for and he didn't take the bait so there were a couple things i know that uh my colleagues on the beat were hoping to get some clarification or some answers on uh that bv did not explicitly address now it did appear i wouldn't say frustration he had a smile on his face but he was like man who else has a question about the cheetah because the cheetah has become the topic the main topic now it seems like and uh, Brent was kind of, uh, you know, I think uh, making fun of that a little bit because there have been a lot of questions about the cheetah. There have been a lot of questions about the cheetah. Basically, here's what you need to know. The cheetah is Roy Williams. The cheetah is a hybrid position you better be able to cover and you better be able to tackle. I mean, you better be able to do that if you're a starting defensive back at Oklahoma anyway. But this is a hybrid like nickel linebacker spot is that how nickel you would describe linebacker it? safety yes. type of hybrid player so Boy, and, there, you, and brent named off some of the cheetahs he has had over the years nick harris keenan clayton at clemson he had isaiah simmons he had ryan carter at oklahoma this year it's going to be deshaun white and justin harrington that get the first crack at being the cheetah roy williams was the cheetah of cheetahs though I can remember Bobby Bowden, you know, talking about, we just can't block number 38, can't block it, can't find him, can't block number 38. That number 38 was the Sooners' cheetah in that national championship game against the Seminoles, which uh, Oklahoma, again, should have pitched a shutout against FSU that day. And I don't care if Snoop Menace didn't play. It wouldn't have made a difference. 
Uh, and the Sooners, again, the only reason they gave up any points is because they snapped the ball back uh, past Jeff Ferguson and gave up two points. And Jeff Ferguson made one of the most underrated plays in Sooner history. Yes. Taking that safety. No doubt. No doubt about it. All right. Uh, so what are you looking for from Oklahoma on Saturday? I mean, there's so much optimism right now. Brent, uh, you know, we talked about this in the first segment uh, out at Rudy's last night. There was an overflow crowd. I mean, Mule Shoe is like when Spinal Tap showed up at that airport hangar to play a concert. If, if you've ever seen This is Spinal Tap, you know, there were like eight people there. It probably wasn't that bad. But this was an overflow crowd for Brent because people are excited. They feel like they're on the road to getting back to a national championship caliber team not just a big 12 championship team that got old I mean sure you want to win the conference and if you win the conference you're probably going to the playoff you know at least that's been uh, the case recently but they want to see a national championship team and a program building in that direction not leveling out or falling off slightly which is how I think most Sooner fans feel right now to answer your question, what I want to see from Oklahoma on Saturday is I want to see them get off on the right foot. Win this game the way you should win it. Because if we rewind a year, this is exactly what we were saying. This is basically the exact same narrative that the Sooners carried into their home tilt, well, technically road tilt with Tulane, just happened to be played at Gaylord Family Oklahoma Memorial Stadium because of the hurricane situation down there in New Orleans. But Remember, we were saying, hey, you know what? This game's going to be well in hand by halftime. Hopefully, the freshmen get a good bit of run. Hopefully, the Sooners get a multitude of guys some looks, and you start to get a sense of who you can count on heading into Big 12 play down the road. But across the non-conference slate last season, the Sooners had three games that they should have won handily. right? And it's really difficult not to beat a team like Western Carolina handily, just because of the stark difference in the level of talent present there. But we took it for granted that the Sooners were going to manhandle Tulane, and we took it for granted that they were going to manhandle Nebraska. They did neither of those things. So if you want to silence the doubters this season, if you want to prove the folks that have written off Brent Venable's first season at Oklahoma as nothing more than a launch pad that will result in eight or nine wins and set the Sooners up to contend for the Big 12 championship once again in 2023. You're not going to silence those doubters in week one, but you can take a nice step in that direction and start building some downhill momentum. That's what I want to see the Sooners accomplish this weekend against UTEP. Yeah, you absolutely need to go out there and win this game convincingly. That's what you need to do. Uh, you know, last year, you know what it was? Tulane and Nebraska, seat squirmers, white knucklers, down to the wire, nail biters. Not good, particularly against Tulane. I mean, Nebraska still had some athletes. 
There's not much over there on the sidelines wearing a headset, but you know what I mean? It's still, neither of those games were expected to go down to the last couple minutes, and both of them were. And at that point, we're kind of looking around going, remember, there were there were national pundits picking Oklahoma to win a national championship last year. Oh, they've got the defense. Alex Grinch has turned it around. And, you know, the Rattlers got a great chance to win the Heisman. People were thinking that Spencer Rattler was going to win the Heisman. And after a couple games, or after three games, I guess it was, you're kind of everybody's looking around going, uh, what is going on with this football team? Then you start to hear rumblings. Well, there's some chemistry issues and, uh, you know, uh, in the locker room, things aren't going that well. And it just didn't feel like that was a real together football team in that locker room. And there wasn't a great deal of positive chemistry there. Negative? <laughs> yeah, it looked that way. And I think we saw that come out with, like, what Perrion Winfrey was saying after the season and some other players were saying, you know, like, man, uh, they didn't appear to be ha- too happy. Now, again, this is the preseason. This is, uh, again, and look, we've been pumping a lot of Sooner sunshine. I, I will, you know, admit to that. But I I think people are genuinely optimistic because they saw a finesse football team in many ways. And not to say, you know, Bill Biedenboe's offensive line, certainly. uh, I wouldn't call them, you know, uh, not tough or anything. But I think things changed after Jerry Schmidt left and Muleshoe brought in his guy, you know, Mr. Kettlebell's P90X, Benny Wiley. But I, I think they're genuinely excited that, uh, these guys are being held more accountable than ever, that they're working harder than ever. And again, this roster, I don't know. Can they go 11 and one? Can they possibly run the table? Could it be eight and four? We don't know yet, but I think they're in for a good season. I think they're going to win the big 12. I'd be surprised, not shocked if they didn't uh, because of the way the schedule sets up. So I don't know is have everybody, Across America at a lot of schools that have a great tradition like Oklahoma usually feels pretty optimistic. Are we being overly optimistic, Parker, or do you think this optimism among the Sooner fan base is legit and real because of what we've seen so far in these eight months with Brent in charge? I think the optimism is fair, Steely. I just think here's the deal. Inevitably, what's going to happen is people are going to overreact on Saturday. For better or for worse, this happens every single year with every single opener. Last year, after the Tulane game, people were writing off Oklahoma. And by the end of the season, a lot of those folks were right in that Oklahoma was not a national championship caliber team. But OU certainly, by the end of the season, did not resemble the same team that trotted out on the field or trotted off the field with a 40 to 35 victory over Tulane on September 2nd of last year because or September 4th, excuse me. But if you'd told anybody that wasn't drinking the OU Kool-Aid that the Sooners were going to go and win 11 games after beating a team like Tulane 40 to 35 in the opener, not a lot of folks would have believed you. So here's what's going to happen on Saturday. Either the Sooners will blow UTEP out of the water or they'll play a tighter game than they reasonably should. Those are the two possible outcomes here. And either way, people are going to overreact. If it's a tighter game than usual, people are going to say, well, uh, this season's just kind of, you know, it's it's a wash. It is what it is. Let's look ahead to 2023 and figure out who we can uh, count on, who's going to be the cornerstones 
for Oklahoma in a 2023 season that should put them back in Big 12 title contention. But if Oklahoma wins handily, you're going to I guarantee you there will be message board threads about how this team is going to be exactly like the 2000 team. I've already heard way too much of it. Oh yeah. The, the overreaction is part of being a Sooner fan and particularly so many people. once you throw social media into the mix. I mean it was always that way on the message boards, but now it's instantaneous with uh Twitter and Insta and all of that stuff. Uh particularly on Twitter, it gets uh it gets crazy. It gets crazy. Uh, you know. so, so many people have already said something to the effect of, well, nobody expected Oklahoma to win the national championship in 2000 yeah, either. Yeah, well, that's right. But And by the way, we didn't forget about West Virginia. I talked about West Virginia. I was there to see Hostetler light the Sooners up and went 41-27. to So I have not forgotten about that Mountaineer victory in Norman in 1982. But uh, that was from the text line. But what happens, you know, we've talked about, man, this defense is going to be better. Look, they're not going to make every tackle. They're going to bust a couple coverages. But I still think they're going to be better, particularly as the season progresses. But but let's say that Oklahoma gives up a third and 11 on the first series to UTEP. What are you going to say? Same old Sooner defense right here. Something like that, right? So, like I said, once they start playing real football, uh, this has been a, a really, really good honeymoon period for Brent Venables, with the one exception being the Kale Gundy incident. Other than that, it has been over, overflowing with positivity. But once they kick the ball off uh, Saturday at 2.30, things are going to be different. Things are going to change. And look, Oklahoma may go out and win 63-7. to But now you're playing for real. All right. Air Comfort Solutions text line, 405-651-3439. Let's get there when we get back here on The Ref. Back with you, Mike Steely, Parker Thune. Steel Man and Thune at noon here on the home of Sooner fans, the Ref Radio Network. Game week Tuesday, pregame show Saturday morning begins at 8.30 a.m. right here on the home of Sooner fans, the Ref Radio Network. Okay, Air Comfort Solutions text line is they're rolling, rolling, rolling. They are rolling in. So let's get to everybody on the Air Comfort Solutions text line at 405-651-3439. Here we go. Parker, what do you have for us? This listener says, I agree with everything you guys are saying about overreaction. That said... The local media lead the way in a big way with the overreaction part of the season last year. Most folks don't want to admit it, but that's where a large portion of all the hype came from. And there's some truth in that. There is. Uh, we were, uh, you know, thinking that that defense, when you had, uh, you know, Perry on Winfrey, Isaiah Thomas, and uh, Nick Benito, and Brian Asamoah, who's playing really well for Minnesota. And then you had DTY, who's also having a great camp as well, or, you know, going to play quite a bit. Uh, you know, in the NFL, he's he's done very well. Uh, there was a lot of hype for last year's defense. They, they were way too inconsistent. They weren't good enough. There were times where it looked like, all right, defense is finally doing what we thought they were going to do. But, uh, again, uh, they were disappointing, and Spencer Rattler got off to a disastrous start. Caleb Williams came in, rescued some games for the Sooners, no doubt, but he wasn't perfect. And, uh, again, you look at – like that Oklahoma State squad last year. And I know the Sooners were, you know, one call away from possibly winning in Stillwater. But Oklahoma State's defense was, you talk about, man, those guys were senior citizens, basically, 
in college football. Old, well-coached by Jim Knowles. You've seen what Malcolm Rodriguez has done uh, with the Lions. If you've been watching Hard Knocks, uh, and the Sooner defense was expected to be at that level or better, and they weren't. But, yeah, so, yeah, there, there was a lot of preseason hype last year, no doubt about it. And there was a lot of national hype for Oklahoma as well. All right, 405 six. 5-1-34-39, Back to the Air Comfort Solutions text line. Is there going to be a 2022 football media guide? Is it digital That's, only now? I think it's digital only, and I think it became that way due to COVID-19, mm-hmm. and that was the point at which they just decided to permanently move away from the print varieties. At least that's my understanding. I could be wrong. But I know there was not one in 2020, and I know there was not one in 2021. You know, it used to be that was a big deal, man, always. Uh, you know, particularly when I was young and stupid. Now I'm old and stupid, of course. But, man, when the media guide came out, I was excited like Naven R. Johnson was in The Jerk about the new phone book. Because uh, the media guide was everything, man. Whether it was football or basketball or whatever, you couldn't wait to get your hands on the media guide. But things have changed. Did you all see the uh, Huskers embarrass themselves against Northwestern? Uh, yes. Yes, we did. We Scott Frost is uh, in big trouble. All caps, kind of big trouble. I mean, he basically, the first thing he needs to do is if somehow Nebraska could upset Oklahoma, that might get him back off life support right now. But I don't expect that to happen. I was uh, the thing that stood out to me, and yes, the onside kick was was incredulous. All of that stuff, particularly when you're up 28 to 17, and you gave North. You think you're well. I thought we could go win the game there. Well, what you did was you gave Northwestern new life, and they came back and they took advantage of it. But also the fact that Northwestern beat up Nebraska physically late in that game, and I was also surprised that the Huskers didn't really get any pass rush at all, all day. They really didn't. And that's with the Mathis, of course, coming through the portal for Nebraska, who was supposed to provide that, uh, you know, fill that role for Nebraska. Didn't happen. Northwestern won up front physically. I know they've got an All-American tackle on that offensive line. The Wildcats do. But, you know, Scott Frost was talking about how much they vomited during practice and how tough the workouts were and how physical they were going to be. And they got – they got shoved around late in that game by Northwestern. Another listener says, what's the scoop on the Emeka Megwa kid? Wasn't he a freak in high school? Could he play this season at all? So the backstory on Emeka Megwa is he was originally a class of 2022 recruit. So he, by all accounts, should be a true freshman this year. But he reclassified in order to enroll a year early at the University of Washington, a la Quinn Ewers. Got injured there, entered the transfer portal in the spring. Now here he is back at Oklahoma, which was one of his finalists in his recruitment. Former four-star, right? Correct. So this this kid's only 18 years old. He's not going to play this season. He is ineligible to do so. He can practice with the team. He cannot play. So looking ahead to 2023, I would definitely say, in a perfect world, you'd like to see a Mecca Megwa battling for carries, and that just makes your running back room even deeper. I, I'm fairly certain Bentavious Thompson is done after this season. 
there's a very good chance Eric Gray is in the NFL. In fact, an almost it, I would consider it almost certain that Eric Gray will be in the NFL at this time next year. And so what does that leave you with? Well, if Marcus Major is back for another year, he's the elder statesman of the group. But if not, you're looking at a committee helmed by Tawi Walker, Javante Barnes, and Gavin Sawchuk. And so you'll have a couple of additional true freshmen in Dalen Smothers and Caleb Hicks, but you'd like to have another guy in the mix that has some experience, has at the very least been in a collegiate system a little bit longer, and a Mecca Megua fits that bill. Yeah, and there's always the portal, of course. The portal is such a huge factor now, no doubt. Here's a question for me, not the text line to you. How much booty do the Sooners need to be kicking in order to see booty on Saturday? (laughs) I think you'll see booty on Saturday. I think there will be booty exposed. Booty booty will happen. There will be a booty sighting. There will be booty exposure. So you think what? Dylan Gabriel maybe gets a couple series in the third quarter and then it's on to Bevel and then Bevel to booty? Yeah, Later in the I game. mean, that's basically how it went against Western Carolina last year, if you'll recall, which, again, I don't want to take it to the bank and say that OU is going to slam UTEP and this thing's going to be over by the end of the first quarter. Obviously, you'd hope that's the case, mm-hmm. but we we don't know anything for a fact with this team because they haven't played it down yet. So, ideally, I think the way this goes down is you play Dylan Gabriel for a half, you're comfortably in control at halftime, you give Davis Bevel the third quarter in the first half of the fourth, and then the last couple drives belong to the booty. Will you? You think they'll play your booty music? They better. They better. Yeah, we. You need to get that queued up going into the break because if we don't hear that, uh, we're going to be very disappointed. By the way, one more thing off the uh, Air Comfort Solutions text line uh, from the nine one eight. Steely said Nick Benito. I don't understand. Am I supposed Nick to Benito? be? Am I supposed to be Neil Brown and say Nick Benita? I got a good defense over there, Nick Benita. That's what uh, that's what Neil Brown called him, the West Virginia coach last year. Maybe that's what it's in reference to. All right, uh, I try to properly enunciate when I can most of the time. All right, so yes, fourth quarter we're expecting. Let, yeah, they have got. I mean, that could be a jump around situation if they play that again. For the fourth quarter against UTEP. Okay, uh, I'm gonna fade this song out now because yeah, I don't know where this. Could, I don't know where these lyrics are going. <laughs> you don't want the FCC limo pulling up in the uh, parking lot at any second. But yeah, they got to play that. All right, break time right here. We're brought to you this hour by uh, Lasher Home Comfort Systems. 405-579-3113. Ah, flooding down in Texas. Oh, Stevie Ray, man. So good, so good. All right, we'll be right back here on The Ref. All right, Mike Steely, Parker Thune, back with you on the home of Sooner fans, The Ref Radio Network. Tuesday edition, uh, Riverwind Casino, celebrating birthday month in August, and uh, 16 years now for Riverwind Casino, providing the best in uh, entertainment. Best casino in the Oklahoma City metro area, no doubt about it. My man Justin, the GM, has uh, has a great operation over there. They do fabulous promotions. They just give away all those trips to the OU Nebraska game and the Battle of the Big Reds. They give away three trips to the Red River Showdown in the race to the Red River. Uh, they're doing some renovations right now at Riverwind, so if you can't find your 
favorite electronic gaming machine? It might be in one of one of three places. It's got to be in one of them. Uh, the Skybridge has gaming now. They also have uh, games in the River Lounge area, and they have gaming in the Showplace Theater. Happening right now at Riverwind Casino, celebrating their 16th anniversary. Always great food options, the food court. Uh, you've got a lot of choices there with Pan Express, Burger King. They now have an IHOP, Taco Bueno, uh, pub food. You want to go watch the game, have a cold one. Great spot at uh, Chips and Ales. Uh, pub restaurant, and then, of course, you have the great, always clean, always efficient, always delicious uh, river buffet, Friday night, steak night, Saturday night, seafood night, Sunday, a great brunch over at Riverwind Casino, simply the best. All right, 405-651-3439, Air Comfort Solutions text line. Let's get back there. Let's do it. Doug from Norman here. What's up with Malachi Coleman? His tweet this morning says he has a knee injury and is being evaluated. Is he damaged goods now? Uh, I wouldn't quantify him as damaged goods. And if Listen, if he's damaged goods, so is P.J. Adebare, who sat out his team's season opener this past week. So is Sammy Omasigo, who sat out the second half of his team's season opener this past week. Somebody, There's another OU commit that was kind of dinged up, too. I'm trying to remember who exactly it was. The point is, now injuries happen. It's not anything significant for Malachi from my understanding, uh, and he will be back in action in the not-too-distant future. So, it, no, he has not damaged goods. It could be uh, worse. Look at Cole Adams, man. He's got uh, he's going to miss the regular season, might be back for the playoffs with that shoulder injury he suffered in the Owasso loss to Bixby last week. So it, it could be worse. And, and knee injuries, you know, back in the day when, like, Gail Sayers had his knee injury, it was a lot different. I'm not saying it's ever good to have any kind of a, a, a knee problem, but uh, usually, you know, back in the day, these were pretty much career-ending, at least career-threatening, if not career-ending. That was a long time ago, though. By the way, I did say Doug, uh, did see that Doug tweeted the other day, KRF hosts have been quick to criticize Lincoln Riley for his depth charts and the use of ores. Now the new regime is here and there are 17 ores on the depth chart, but no criticism. I guess it depends on the narrative you wish to present, not the facts. Parker, you should answer to that. I mean, did we criticize Mule Shoe for the ores? I think we I did. Uh, yeah, I think we did. Uh, did we? I think yeah. I thought it was yeah. just always kind of a running joke. I mean, it's always it was kind of like, well, are they afraid to pick somebody that somebody may leave for the portal? Were there really seventeen ores on that depth chart? Yeah, there were. Um, special teams accounted for a good bit of them, but anyway, yeah. you slice it. Yes, there were a whole bunch of ores. I can't remember ever criticizing Mule Shoe for it. Again, it, at least in my memory, it was always just kind of a running joke, something we'd all have a good laugh about. Oh, well, they're going to be over under 21 and a half oars on this depth mm-hmm. chart. Yeah. It, you know, it is what it is. All right, 405-651-3439 in the Air Comfort Solutions text line. From Pastor Andy in BA. This is a very pastoral question. Who do you predict will be the biggest resurrection story for the Sooners well, this so season? Well, so far, it's, uh, I mean, Justin Jayden Harrington. Davis. No, what about Justin and Harrington? Justin Harrington. Justin Harrington is Lazarus, two, yeah. basically, right now. Yeah, those are the two guys that immediately jump to mind. How about Jordan Kelly, too? That's yeah, a pretty good one, yeah. Not the, I, I mean, I don't know if it's a resurrection because I don't think his career hit a roadblock the way that Jaden Davis's did or the way that... Um, 
Justin Harrington's did either. Uh, Theo Weiss is another guy that you can yeah. expect a bounce back year from. I, I, I hope he stays healthy because I think he's a playmaker. Uh, but he just it's been too inconsistent with him on the field. My favorite thing that happened at the press conference this morning was uh, John Hoover – my former boss at SI Sooners, he asked Brent, and it was it was a very understandable question. He was like, listen, Brent, I think there are a lot of people surprised that Jaden Davis is going to start at cornerback. But Brent turned around, and he was just like, "What? why are they surprised? Who do they expect? Yeah, I, I heard that, yeah. And somebody was like, well, DJ Graham. He's like, well, you know, Jaden Davis has played better. Yeah, that's I mean, usually the that's... way it works. That's usually the way it works. By the way, uh, Russ in Atlanta, if booty gets on the field this weekend, might we see a tight booty or a sloppy booty? Hopefully neither. I would think maybe in the in the early part of the season, you might be – don't be totally surprised if you see sloppy booty. But, uh, you know, down the road, if he gets in again, probably be tighter. Just saying. John and Morris says, thinking about booty handling the ball gets me excited. <laughs> Here come the booty-isms. So UTEP will be getting some booty on Saturday? Yeah, yes. probably. Yes. That's like the plane that came over, that flew over Augusta with the banner when Tiger came back after. Remember Tiger said, I've got to take my bootism more seriously, and he was wearing <laughs> his bracelet and everything, and, there was, uh, and the banner said, Tiger's religion, in quotes, bootyism." And it was flying around Augusta. Somebody, somebody said, you think Eric Gray is NFL material? I haven't seen it. Well, you didn't watch his 2020 season at Tennessee then because that offense was atrocious and Eric Gray kept the thing humming. I think he has potential to have a really, really nice year. Yeah, I, I don't think he'll ever be like a star back in the NFL or maybe even a starter in the NFL, but I think he's got a chance to make a roster. We'll see how he does this year. All right, we got to get out of here for hour number one. Thank you, Lasher Home Comfort Systems. Hour number two is on the way. Award-winning, maybe. Mike Steely, Parker Thune here on the Home of Sooner Fans, the ref. Jumping into hour number two here on the Home of Sooner Fans, the ref. Mike Steely, Parker Thune with you. Hour number two is always presented by the Seth Wadley Auto Group in Paul's Valley. Be thinking about the number 72. All right, exit 72. That's what you need to be thinking about there in Paul's Valley. If you're looking for a car, truck, SUV, used vehicle, great selection, great prices, great after-the-sale service for you at the Seth Wadley Auto Group. And, again, the tremendous guarantee, oil changes, engines for life on newer used gas or diesel at no additional cost to you. You can't beat that. All right, uh, Sooner offense coming up on Saturday. Oklahoma, a 31.5-point favorite against the uh, Texas El Paso Miners. 2.30 kick time on Fox, and Oklahoma expected uh, to roll in their opening game, and everybody's curious. You know, I know everybody's excited about Brent uh, bringing back passion, physicality, and hopefully better defense uh, for Sooner fans, and I do think that's going to happen. The offense, Lincoln Riley, you know, no matter what you think of him, Shoe was a pretty good offensive mind and a pretty creative play caller. But Jeff Levy also has a good reputation, considered one of the top coordinators uh, in the country, what does Jeff Lebby hope to see from his offense on Saturday? The biggest thing is going to be uncommon effort and physicality. You know, we want to own the line of scrimmage. We want to be incredibly physical. Uh, we want to take care of the football. We want to run the rock, and we want to play clean ball. So that's that's what we want to do on Saturday. I'm not sure that's ever going to change, uh, but that's that's what we're looking for. 
That sounds like a ball coach right there. Now, you know, dominate the line of scrimmage. You're hearing about physicality. There is no doubt uh, that uh, the offensive line needs to be better than it was a year ago and get back to being a dominant Oklahoma offensive line. But they are also going to play fast. And Eric Gray is excited about playing at that faster tempo. You definitely enjoy the tempo. You got to get in shape for the tempo. You know what I mean? But the tempo is great. You know what I'm saying? It's a good, it's a good way to get defenses um, to look at different, look at different things. So it's a good, um, it's a good for us to, to use against defenses. Has anything stood out to you about the running back room just as a whole, all of you guys throughout the last couple of weeks? I think everybody has uh, kind of stepped up to the plate and took on their role. You know what I'm saying? Everyone in the running back room has a role, you know what I'm saying, with this offense. And I think everyone has done a good job of working hard, knowing their role, and being ready when their time's called. I think everybody typically thinks depth charge is one, two. But, I mean, I mean, are there times, you know, some of you guys might be on the field at the same time together? Have you guys worked on that at all? Uh, you know, we can't give out, we can't give out too much. To, we can't give out too much, but it's definitely going to be special. There you go, Eric. Gray, uh, number one running back for the Sooners with uh, Marcus Major second on the depth chart. And apparently uh, Marcus Major, by all accounts, has had a very good camp as well. Okay, um, let's talk a little recruiting before we jump back to the text line. And uh, Oklahoma up to number four nationally after the uh, fantastic Friday. Sooner fans were expecting to get Makari Vickers. They did. The video and the press conference got a little bit scary because he kind of trolled everybody there for a second with the Alabama stuff. But uh, Makari Vickers picking Oklahoma. And then Anthony Evans uh, flipping back to Oklahoma at the last minute was, uh, like I said, uh, that was maybe – as excited as Sooner fans have been, uh, because I think Colton Vosick, when, again, he committed to OU, and you consider his background, dad played at Texas right there at Austin-Westlake, uh, was in for a Longhorn visit. It didn't look like Oklahoma was very much in the picture. Boom, they've got Colton Vosick. Not saying that he wasn't, you know, somewhat interested, but that that was a surprise. And then Anthony Evans, it looked like uh, the Sooner Nation was in for a little heartbreak with him. And all of a sudden, boom, he picked Oklahoma yeah, Friday. Yeah, a little uh, Michael Scott snip, snap, snip, snap that action was, happening there down a, the stretch. Yeah, that, that was incredible, man. That was really incredible. Uh, do you think he is the fastest wideout in the country among all the high school recruits? He's got to be up there in the top three to five, maybe? Yeah, he's one of the fastest. I'd, I don't want to throw out superlatives because it's not like these guys are going to ever line up side by side. But you can certainly say with authority – based on the track times in particular, that yes, Anthony Evans is absolutely one of the fastest wide receivers in the nation at the high school level. No doubt. And uh, again, Converse Judson, four-star committing to Oklahoma on Friday. So uh, who will be next in line again for the Sooners? Would it be Jordan Renaud? I'm still saying Jordan Renaud on September 19th. I don't know that anything happens before then. By the way, uh, one listener on the text line asks, is it true David Hicks is visiting Oklahoma? Uh, I assume the more specific question within that question is, is it true that David Hicks is taking an official visit to Oklahoma on November 19th for Bedlam against Oklahoma State? Because he's been on campus how many times now? Many times. Yeah. The answer to that question is yes, David Hicks will be taking an official visit to Oklahoma on November 19th for Bedlam against Oklahoma State. So that recruitment, do you expect it to continue that far out and all the way into November? 
A lot of people think, again, he's a strong lean to Oklahoma um, right now. Here's what I'll say. I think it will last until November, but not any longer. Read between the lines is necessary. Okay. So you're saying expect a David Hicks commitment after his official visit. I didn't say that, Mm -hmm. but if that's what happens, it wouldn't shock me. Big Bod Wolf. That way. Big Bod Wolf says we're reaching uh, for the number two spot in the recruiting rankings. Let's go get it. Yeah, it's very. I mean, look. Um, I, I would say you know if you're talking about who Oklahoma still has out there, DJ Hicks, David Hicks, five star, best regarded by many as the best interior defensive line prospect in the country. Jordan Renaud, uh, Peyton Bowen, Ryan Yates. If there's a flip. You know, for both of those guys from Notre Dame and LSU, and a lot of people think there will be down the stretch, at least one of those guys. And then Malachi Coleman, based on the implosion we saw from Nebraska, and, you know, that's leading him right to Norman, you would think, because it's that's a two-horse race, right? It really is. And one horse uh, is, is limping right now very badly. <laughs> yeah, one, one horse is severely, severely crippled. Yes, no doubt. And uh, with Scott Frost as your jockey, you're probably, uh, you know, you're going to finish several links back. It's it's wild to think at the end of it all, Mike, because for months and months, I've said on the show, I think Oklahoma ends up with Cecilia Kana. And for months and months, I have said, I think they end up with at least one of two among Peyton Bowen and Ryan Yates. But for the longest time, the biggest question marks, the heat checks, if you were, if you will, excuse me, for this Oklahoma defensive staff, or this Oklahoma staff in general, were going to be David Hicks and Malachi Coleman. Now it looks like there's a very, very viable path <laughs> for both of them to be Sooners. You know, <clears throat> what may be, and you know much better than me, but what is more likely the Sooners get Hicks and Coleman, or the Sooners get both Bowen and Yates? Because it sounds to me like it's more likely right now. And again, it's still early that, you know, if Oklahoma somehow, you know, goes and stumbles and fumbles around, which I don't anticipate in Lincoln. But more likely the Sooners get DJ Hicks and Malachi Holman, Coleman or both Peyton Bowen and Ryan Yates. I would actually say – and I – I don't know if I would have said this two or three weeks ago even. Right now, I think it's more likely they get DJ Hicks and Malachi Coleman. Which is pretty unbelievable. I mean, if you think about it. And look, you've got one five-star and a four-star in both of those groups, right? The kids from Denton, and then uh, obviously DJ Hicks from Texas and uh, Malachi Coleman from Lincoln, Nebraska. What happens if Nebraska hires a coach that Coleman likes? And, on the text uh, line from the 817. That's that's one thing that I, I have kind of pondered that and figured that could throw a wrinkle into things if Oklahoma ends up getting his commitment on October 22nd and then later down the line Nebraska makes a home run hire. I'm just I I'm really not convinced that it's going to change at that point because as much as Coleman's family would like him to stay home, Coleman wants to win football games. And if so, especially if Oklahoma has a successful season this fall, 
under Brent Venables, and you know for a fact you can go somewhere and be a part of a championship culture and be developed and have a shot at the NFL one day and have a shot at a national championship while you're in college, I don't think Malachi Coleman is going to sacrifice that to drink the Husker Kool-Aid. Because let's be honest, there was arguably no sexier coaching hire in that 2018 cycle than Scott Frost. So, do you really want to push all your chips to the middle and risk another five years of the exact same results Mm -hmm. in Lincoln? Yeah. Or do you want to go somewhere where you know you've got a head coach who's in it for the long haul and you know that regardless of what the team's on-field makeup looks like year to year, they're going to be winning double-digit games and contending for conference titles and national titles. Yeah, uh, is Coleman a wide receiver? He could be – would you put him in as a flat-out wide receiver or would you put him as a tight end? No, I would say – and I've had this discussion uh, with some folks very close to the Oklahoma program uh, that know Malachi Coleman's recruitment very well on that end. And here's what I can say about Coleman at this point in time is he's going into his senior year at a weight of about 205 pounds, which is slight for a tight end, no doubt. And he plays wide receiver at Lincoln East. But Cade McIntyre is 205 pounds right now. Caden Helms going into his senior season at Bellevue West High School up in Omaha, or in Bellevue, technically, uh, he was 210 pounds. So especially with a guy that has Malachi Coleman's frame. And he's got a real lanky, wiry frame, even for being 205 pounds at six foot five, He's got a lot of room to put on weight. Good weight at that. You can foresee Malachi Coleman healthily carrying a weight of 235, 240 pounds and not sacrificing a whole lot of speed to do so. Yeah. So I believe the plan for him, if he commits to Oklahoma, will be to get him on campus – to bulk him up, and to see what happens. And at the end of the day, in Jeff Lebby's offense, a tight end's going to get split out wide quite a bit anyway. Ma- Malachi Coleman's going to be a pass catcher. Yeah, That's what Oklahoma is recruiting him as. By the way, uh, two more before we get to uh, a break here on hour number two. Uh, can they get all four? Yeah, they could get all four. It's talking about they, Malachi they well Coleman, could. DJ Hicks, uh, Ryan Yates, Peyton Bowen. Um that you know, again, you've got to flip Peyton Bowen from Notre Dame. You got to flip Ryan Yates from LSU. But yeah, that could happen. Uh, I don't know if that matters. Malachi Coleman's father stated publicly that the Nebraska fan base is making him not want his son to go there. Hmm. Did you see that? Yeah, because I guess Nebraska fans. There was on, on some Nebraska message board yesterday. Uh, they were throwing around some rumors that Malachi Coleman had been suspended. Oh, yeah, yeah. And so he got on Twitter and he was like, no, I'm not suspended. I just have a banged up knee. What are you talking about? So that was kind of – both of Malachi Coleman's parents got on Twitter to kind of debunk those rumors and talk about, hey, you know what, we're lifelong Husker fans, but this kind of stuff makes Nebraska – a much less appealing option for us and for our kid. Yeah. All right. Uh, so, anyway, I just pulled a Bob Stoops right there at the end of the day. Okay. Uh, let's get to a break. That's what we need to do. What was another Stoops? Says, okay, knock on wood. That wasn't in his uh, – one of the first plays in his playbook. But 
Bob was always good, though. Man, he did the Sooner Nation a major solid after Muleshoe left. There's no doubt. Coming right back, stay with us here on The Ref. All right, we could be in for a heat wave coming up uh, Saturday at 2.30. I, I think uh, about a week ago we were looking at temperatures in like the high 80s, right? Maybe right around 90. And it's- I just know it cannot possibly be any hotter than the season opener last year. Pretty brutal. Like uh, you could not drink enough water mm-hmm. that day. I was down there at field level, and of course we were hearing all game about people getting, uh, basically having to be escorted or wheeled out of the stadium due to heat exhaustion. And I was like, "Yep, yeah, that tracks." Because again, like here's the thing: as media members, we have a little area out underneath. The how do I describe this? Basically, we have a room that is specifically designated for media hospitality down there near the field. And there's a whole cooler down there filled with bottles of water. So as a media member, you get as much water as you need, right? Can't say the same for a fan because when there are 80,000 people, at Owen Field, and concessions are busy, and water fountain lines are long, your access to water is probably not what it needs to be on a day where it's 95 degrees outside the way it was against Tulane that day. But I just remember sitting there, and I've got like, it's midway through the fourth quarter, I've got like four or five empty water bottles sitting next to me. Like, I cannot imagine where I would be right now if I didn't have these bottles of water. And again, man, when it's that hot, you need to be, uh, you know, on your way to uh, hydrating well before kickoff, right? I mean, get a couple bottles of water in you before uh, 2.30 on Saturday. And I'm not sure that a ton of alcoholic beverages help that much with your hydration. So, I'm just saying. Uh, Okay, off... Twitter, I get one. Uh, DM Steely, why do you think Barry Switzer was able to recruit all those great running backs? That's out of left field, Tim. But, uh, well, number one, they were running the wishbone, and they were running it better than anybody else. Uh, You you think about Emory Ballard starting the bone at Texas, and, uh, you know, Texas had it going on a little bit, and, uh, you know, other teams were running the wishbone. Alabama ran it. Uh, you know, with Bear Bryant back in the day, too. But nobody ran it as effectively as Oklahoma. Plus, uh, the reason he was able to get all the – plus you're playing three backs, right? I mean, you've got – the you need more numbers. That's why you can get Billy Sims one year and David Overstreet the next year. That's why you could get – you know, I remember Alvin Ross and Freddie Sims when they signed with Oklahoma back in the day. Both were top ten running backs in the country. Both signed with Oklahoma. And think about the fullbacks. You know, Kenny King was a speedster out of Clarendon, Texas, played many years in the NFL, caught a touchdown pass in the uh, Super Bowl. The Raiders won against Philadelphia. Think about, uh, you know, they had some of the tough, hard-nosed uh, fullbacks too, Jimmy Latrell and uh, Leon Crossway. Not, not that they didn't have some speed too, but, uh, you know, the fullback could also be Clyde Russell, you know, and uh, Wayman Clark back in the day. 
some of the Sooners uh, fullbacks, again, who had great speed, uh, it was they were a third running back, and the fullback would get the ball a lot in the triple option. Man, so. consider this. Is there one thing that the new era of football has rendered obsolete quite like the fullback? And you can't find yeah. a fullback anymore. It's Yeah, it's pretty hard, yeah. It's pretty hard. Maybe in goal line situations here and there. But, but even then, it's never a pure fullback. Yeah. And uh, the triple option still exists with, with Army and, you know, Navy's run it and some, you know, Air Force has run it some. And uh, I don't know who else is running the triple option now. I mean, there's still a form of the triple option that you're running. Um, but, man, I used to love watching, watching the wishbone executed at a high level. And the Sooners did that back in the day. And they had some of the best wishbone practitioners at quarterback ever in Jack Mildred and Jamel Holloway and Steve Davis and J.C. Watts, Thomas Lott. I mean, there were so many great uh, wishbone quarterbacks uh, back during the Barry Switzer days at OU. So much fun, man. And they, and they were the coolest team in the country. They were the coolest team in the country because they could run by you, run around you. Uh, they, they also played great defense. I mean, they were cool. They were stylish. I mean, Thomas Lott had the bandana, bandana. Billy Sims had the high step. Joe Washington had the silver shoes. They were the sexy college football team. Bob Stoops had silver shoes, right, playing high school football because of Joe Washington. I mean, and you think in our elementary days, back when we were growing up playing Optimus football in Norman, there weren't some bandanas and silver shoes back in the day then, too? Oh, yeah, there were. Model glue could get it done. And uh, I never went the bandana route, though, but there were others who did. You know, you've got a kid, you know, playing football in fifth grade that's got a bandana under his helmet, thanks to Thomas Lott. So, yeah, that's one of the reasons. Number one, they were winning. Number two, they were doing it better than anybody else, the wishbone. And number three, again, you needed three running backs, uh, you know, and not just a starting lineup, obviously. So they were able to recruit, yes, a bunch of great backs during that era. And they're recruiting pretty well now, too, in that department. Via the Air Comfort Solutions text line. The football team used to publish the 40 times of, like, the top five players and the amounts and names of the top bench press players. Do they do that anymore? Is that list available anywhere? Shoot. That must have been before my time because I can't remember a time that they did, yeah, did that. Yeah, maybe they did uh, back in the day, and I just can't remember. I, I'm, I'm sure he's probably right. But uh, if you can hack into Jerry Schmidt's computer, you might be able to get that. But, I, you know, if Jerry Schmidt finds you and you hack in his computer, good luck. Which current commit is most likely to flip before signing day? Asks one listener. He once said it was Keon Brown, possibly. And that's like, here's the thing. I don't think any of them are flipping. If you told me, if you told me that any of these commits were going to flip, I would say to whom? And that's, I feel like that's the reason why I've always said Keon Brown, if you back me into a corner and make me answer that question because Keon Brown I think is gonna he is gonna shoot up the recruiting rankings this fall and you especially never if he continues to you never said that in the context of like that was a real wishy-washy commitment no you're it's just, not because you're like, asking uh in the way that Oklahoma's approaching commitments now uh and they had a great retention rate at Clemson with the same philosophy um, you were just throwing a name out there because, yes, you said he could be rising up the rankings because he was uh, – he's still a three-star, right? 
Has yes. he moved up to four? But he has not def- moved up to four. He will move up to four. By the he way, will. before we get a break, I want to ask you this question. We'll get back to the Air Comfort Solutions text line. Absolutes, bottom floor, final ranking for Oklahoma's class in recruiting and the the ceiling for Oklahoma's class. How high can they go? What is the absolute bottom floor for you? I mean, if the wheels literally fall off, I still think Oklahoma has a top six class. Best case scenario, you close on everybody. And by that, I mean you look at the 22 commits they have right now. If you add to that David Hicks, Peyton Bowen, Ryan Yates, Tessilia Kana, Malachi Coleman, and am I forgetting anyone? I don't think uh, I'm forgetting Jordan anyone. Renaud, you said Jordan, Renaud, Jordan right. Renaud. There you go. I always forget Jordan Renaud for whatever reason. Jordan Renaud. If you add those guys, that's the number two class in America. I'm pretty confident asserting that. The, they would be second only to Alabama, as I see it at that point. So it's it's wild, Mike, because this staff has exceeded the expectations that I had for them, which I thought were pretty high. Back in January, people you know people were asking, where do you think Oklahoma's class finishes in 2023? I said, best case scenario, probably number five. Worst case scenario, number 10 to 12. I see them falling somewhere in that seven to nine range probably right now we're talking about a class with the ceiling at number two and the floor at number six yeah and you consider all the uh, decommits they had and uh, the people who left the class and you consider you know uh nothing has happened to affect the uh, recruiting hall since the kale gundy story uh that shows you man they're doing things right they are definitely doing things right in recruiting all right uh we'll get back to more text when we get back right here on uh, the air comfort solutions text line 405-651-3439 405-651-3439 pregame show 8 30 saturday morning from campus corner here on the ref stay with us that should have definitely been ted roof's walk-up music yesterday no doubt All right, we are back. Mike Steely, Parker Thune, Steelman and Thune. Well, afternoon, into the 1 o'clock hour. we got 30 minutes left in the program today. Thank you to the Seth Wadley Auto Group in Paul's Valley. Exit 72 for a great deal on a car, truck, or SUV, or a used vehicle. Used vehicle. They, uh, they would go out and find the best ones for you. Great selection there. Great service after the sale. Again, oil changes, engines for life on new or used gas or diesel at no additional cost to you. That's about as good a guarantee as you can get right there. All right, I was thinking about... That last question, and look, you are, uh, you've are you got your master's in recruiting. I'm still working on my bachelor's. You know, I used to be really heavy into recruiting a long, long time ago in a galaxy very far away where you had to call to get information, and, uh, and there was no Internet because I, I was born uh, a long, long time ago. A long time ago. I, I had a rotary phone. I had a phone with a long cord. I had a remote control that you had to get up and didn't have a remote control until I was like in, you know, eighth grade. You had to get up and change the channel on the TV. You had to get off the couch, walk to the television, and turn a dial to change the channel. You talk about times being rough. They were very difficult. I don't know how I survived. But 
so you know this stuff a lot better than I do. I, I'm enjoying kind of getting back into it. Uh, but I don't know why I still think the one – and, again, we're not saying that Oklahoma is currently at 22 commitments. You know what their commitment philosophy is. No more visits. You're committed. You're committed. Um, so you would think the retention rate is going to be really high. It was great at Clemson and should be high at Oklahoma. Uh, but somebody asked us on the text line, the Aircraft Solutions text line, 405-651-3439, who might be the guy most likely to flip if anybody does. I'm still going to go with Colton Vosick. Couple things at play. Ooh, okay, okay. I'll hear you. What out. happens? Somebody in the nine one eight said, "What happens if Oklahoma loses to Texas? What happens if Texas beats Oklahoma in the Cotton Bowl?" And again, I think closer to that decision day in December, when you have to sign on the line, which is dotted. Probably not dotted, and you don't sign, but you know what I'm saying. Um, that it might be more difficult, and he might be getting a lot more pressure being a kid in Austin, whose dad played at Texas. What do you think? How bad was the fallout between, I guess, the family and and the Texas coaching staff? What happened there? Do we know? Here's what I do know about the situation. Long before it ever became apparent that Colton Vosick was going to be a Sooner, I remember having conversations with some folks uh, that know the scene down in Austin in – February. This was probably back in February. And his recruitment was still wide open at that point. There was no indication as to where he was going to end up. But I remember talking to two different people who told me the exact same thing, which is that kid's getting out of Austin. He is leaving. Not sure where, but he is leaving. Hmm. And so that was the earliest intel I ever had on Colton Vosick's recruitment because he was still gain it was still gaining steam at that point. He was still blowing up. He was less than three months removed from his very first FBS offer. And so at that point in time, I was only just starting to become acquainted with the Vosick recruitment. But that was the first thing I was ever told was he is getting out of Austin. By hook or by crook, he is leaving that town. So he he thinks Austin's too weird then. Uh, it doesn't keep Austin weird. It's too weird for him. Maybe something like that. I don't know. But that's a great get for Oklahoma. And this kid is a monster. If you've seen him, defensive end, Austin Westlake, really good, you know, football reputation there at that high school and uh, off to a really good start. Uh, the kids from Denton, by the way, couldn't have played really any better than they did in their first game. No, they could not have. <laughs> I mean, it was like every one of them had – Jackson Arnold had, uh, had a touchdown run, had a long pass – the Bowen brothers both had uh, scores as well, so it was remarkable. All right, speaking of the Sooner defense, uh, Ted Roof, the Sooner defensive coordinator, uh, likes his players' mindset right now on defense. Absolutely, we're blue-collar. There's no question about that, absolutely. Uh, I've been really, really pleased with how our guys, again, going back to the, the buy-in, the work ethic, the commitment, uh, that's been – that's been fantastic, and I'm really, really proud of our guys for that. Uh, do we have a ways to go? Absolutely. Do we want to be a lot better at the end of the season than we are right now? 100%. But up to this point, I've been really, really pleased with the, the buy-in and the work ethic and the level of commitment that our players have exhibited. There you go, Ted Roof. Blue-collar defense. I nominate Mr. Roof 
to narrate the documentary about Oklahoma's twenty twenty two football season. I was season. just thinking he's got a really good voice. There's no doubt. Ted Roof, you know, he could replace one of us. I'd let him. Yeah, absolutely. But uh blue collar defensive mindset. How would you rank the comedians on the blue collar comedy tour back in the day? I would go Ron White one. Let's go Larry the Cable Guy two. Let's go Jeff Foxworthy, three, and Bill Ingvall, number four. White one, cable guy, suffering Nebraska fan right now. Number two, Jeff Foxworthy, three, Bill Ingvall, number four. You never saw the blue-collar comedy, too, No, did you? I definitely did not. It's kind of a little bit of a, um, how do I say this, hillbilly tour a little bit, but it's, it was pretty good back in the day. Pretty good. One listener asks on the text line, and this is an interesting question. Do you all think Nick Saban could turn Nebraska around? Or do they just need to scrap the football program? Has Nebraska been relevant in these kids that they're recruiting their entire lives? That's a very good point. Because well, and you can you can really say the same thing about Texas at this point. As bizarre as that is to say, mm-hmm. that makes me feel old. But the class of twenty twenty three. Those kids were born in 2005, Steely. Yep. Texas played in a national championship when they were five years old. And ever since then, they have been atrocious. Similarly, Nebraska, like legitimately, Nebraska has not been good in their lifetimes. There was a time that Nebraska played for a couple Big 12 championships when they would have been very, very young. They played for a Big Ten championship in, what, 2012, 2013 against Wisconsin, and they Mm -hmm. got run out of the building. But uh, it is legitimately the case at this point that no current recruit has ever seen true excellence from the Nebraska football program. Yeah. By the way, uh, what was the year that SC and Texas played the championship game there in the Rose Bowl? 2005. 2005. Okay. And then – um so that was the last national title for uh for Texas obviously great game that night unbelievable game but Texas and Bama played in that championship game what was the year of the uh what was the year that Bama beat Texas when Colt McCoy got injured got the shoulder injury and Garrett Gilbert came in that was the 2009 season. That was the 2009 season. Okay. Yeah. So yeah, I mean, it's been a long time since uh, you know Texas has been more of a joke and underachiever, obviously, since then. And I don't know how much how much does tradition mean to these kids these days? I mean, old tradition. I don't know. I, I mean, it, tradition means you're winning too. Usually, it doesn't mean you you may not be winning currently, but. I do think that uh, it's not the factor that it used to be. Was that Ted Roof or Jeff Bridges? Careful, man. There's a beverage here. That's the worst Jeff Lebowski ever. Um, do you have a breakdown or thoughts on Arch Manning's first game? Uh, yes, he beat the New York Life defense. As uh, Coach Pat Jones used to say, uh, you know, that, that was the kind of tackling. Old New York Life uh, football commercial from the 70s. How about this text? Saw some highlights of Caleb Spencer yesterday, and the guy is very underrated. Easily a four-star talent, destroying guys. That's the kid from Virginia, right? That's correct. Does not get talked about a whole heck of a lot. But, yes, 
There was there was an article on twenty four seven Sports over the weekend from our national one of our national recruiting analysts, Andrew Ivins, uh, who I guess Caleb Spencer was playing in. I don't know if it was a seven on seven type of deal, but he was playing in some select event that Andrew was covering, and Andrew compared Caleb Spencer to Isaiah Simmons. Talked about how much he loved the eval by the Oklahoma staff and the fact that they jumped on Spencer when they did. That was pretty good. And if you're drawing comparisons to Isaiah Simmons, who was a top 10 NFL draft pick, that's high praise. Obviously, you don't want to put too much on Caleb Spencer's shoulders, but the kid can play ball. That's the reason that Venables and company pursued him, even though he is a three-star. Imagine that. There's you think he's going to get that four-star? I... I find it hard to believe. I think there are some guys that you can look at right now based on their current stock and say, absolutely, they're getting a fourth star. Heath Ozida was always one of those guys for me. Right now, the two guys in Oklahoma's class that fit that bill are Phil Pichotti and Keon Brown. Caleb Spencer is going to have to rise pretty substantially across all the recruiting services. And it can be done, but I wouldn't necessarily count on it. I think he, Eric McCarty, and Cade McIntyre at this point probably just have too much ground to make up this late. If they pull it off, great. It's going to be awesome for Oklahoma's composite team ranking at the end of the day. But I, I think those three remain three stars when all is said and done. All right, break time right here. We have one more segment left. We're going to get locked in uh, with uh, Parker and Tyler McComas coming up at the top of the hour. When we get back, we'll get to as many texts as we can. Pre-game, 8.30 Saturday morning. We'll be on uh, Campus Corner. We'll be everywhere. Pretty much. Pretty much. The Kings of Comedy was better. The Kings of Comedy was pretty good, too. Yeah, I will put them on equal, about equal footing. But I was just thinking, yes, since Ted Roof said blue collar, I was thinking about the blue collar comedy tour back in the day. All right, stay right here where you are. Steel Man and Thune, well afternoon here on the home of Sooner fans, the Ref Radio Network. Man, we used to uh, blare this throughout the uh, Norman High School parking lot back in the day. Cruise around the parking lot, show off your stereo speakers. And Zeppelin II was a popular choice back in the day. All right, welcome back. Mike Steely, Parker Thune, Steelman and Thune. At noon, we are just a few minutes away from getting locked in with uh, Parker and Tyler McComas coming up. All right, uh, by the way, the the two main games everybody's talking about are huge point spreads this weekend. Oregon and Georgia playing in the uh, Mercedes-Benz Dome in Atlanta. Uh, defending national champions, taking on the Oregon Ducks against their old uh, defensive coordinator, Dan Lanning. 2.30 on ABC. Georgia, 17-point uh, favorite. And Ohio State, also a 17-point favorite against Notre Dame in the ABC primetime game. 6.30 from the Horseshoe Saturday night. Uh, Utah, by the way, Utah at the Swamp is going to be interesting. Utah's a two-and-a-half-point favorite in that game now. Are they really? Yeah, okay. and Arkansas hosting Cincinnati, 2.30, uh, same time as the Sooner game in Fayetteville, and uh, Arkansas a six-point favorite in that matchup. So, I would not overlook Oregon against Georgia 
by any means. Two reasons. One, Oregon went to the horseshoe last year and won when they were absolutely not expected to. Yeah. So this is a program that uh, has some history when it comes to securing big road. I know it's technically not a road game in technicality. It's a neutral side game, but in effect, it is a home game for Georgia. It'll be 90-20 or 90-10 Georgia fans. Correct. Secondly, nobody knows how to shut down Georgia quite like Dan Lanning does. Uh, He's got some familiarity with that program, yeah, (laughs) and how they do things. Yeah. So, yeah, it's going to be interesting. I'm intrigued. I do think that – well, I I think Ohio State is going to take care of business fairly handily against Notre Dame. Do you think they covered that 17? I'm not so convinced. I mean, Jim Knowles, look, Jim Knowles did a great job at Oklahoma State. In Ohio State, they can score with C.J. Stroud, those receivers. They're always going to have a good running back. Uh, but defense was the issue. They were not good at all defensively. Can Jim Knowles make a, that big of a difference right off the bat? We'll see. But, yeah, Notre Dame's a 17-point fan. I just hope both of our really big games aren't, you know, we're not looking like, oh, gosh, here we go. You know, Ohio State's up like 42-10 to 10 in the – Late in the third quarter or something. I think Ohio State wins, but I think Notre Dame covers. Let me put it like that. Okay. I think it's a closer game than people are anticipating. Uh, one of the other two games, uh, the sneaky best game of the weekend maybe in terms of going to the wire, Cincinnati at Arkansas at like Utah, Florida. About what, say, say what now? May, might one of those games end up being the sneaky best game of the weekend in terms of uh, excitement and, uh, you know, just being close down to the wire? Yeah, Cincinnati-Arkansas. That, that Arkansas. Cincinnati-Arkansas game should be fun. That may end up being the best game of the weekend. And what happens if Scott Frost loses to North Dakota? It's, I mean, do they, do they just escort him off the field? I mean, like police officers and ta- arrest him and then fire him or what? I mean, you almost have to at that yeah. point. That is uh, 2.30 on Saturday, Nebraska and North Dakota. So, Muleshoe is a 32.5-point favorite against Rice. The Sooners are a 31.5-point favorite against UTEP on Saturday. Come on, Rice. Somehow, some way, there's no way, I don't think. But maybe, maybe Stanford, maybe Fresno. Somebody. We we need Muleshoe to lose in one of those first three. What if he lost to Rice? Oh, I would – like I said, I will come in this studio and attempt a, uh, a backflip. I'm going to need, you know, some uh, pillows in here or some heavy, you know, something to land on because I know I won't complete it, but I'll attempt it. So, yeah, maybe Stanford, and that's the primetime game on ABC, uh, you know, a week from Saturday on September 10th. It'd be nice to see Muleshoe lose in primetime and cry. That would be really cool. Uh, please make it happen. Hey, he cried in his opening press conference I at USC. I know. You know, one of the, well, he cried at OU, too, when he took the job. When that, I mean, when he was handed the you know, job. You know, we call those crocodile That's tears. That's right. Muleshoe tears are the same as crocodile tears. That was the worst Robert De Niro, Lawrence Olivier performance. Meant a lot to me. Dude, you're only crying because everybody despises you now in Norman, Oklahoma, except your really close friends. And, and they may despise you too. Okay, we got to get out of here. Thank you to the Seth Wadley Auto Group in Paul's Valley, X72. Great deal. Car, truck, SUV, or a used vehicle. 
and a great, uh, again, guarantee after the sale, oil changes, engines for life, newer used gas or diesel engines, and guess what? No additional cost to you. Also, thanks to our friends at Riverwind Casino. It is their anniversary, 16th anniversary out at Riverwind. Great promotions continue through August. More on the way for September for football season. Thank you, Riverwind. Simply the best. Locked in. Coming up next here on The Ref. Have a great Tuesday.